Anyone remember training camp holdouts? You know, when the player wouldn't sign the contract and wouldn't show up even though they'd never, ever spent a minute on an NFL? Yeah, you're not going to see one this year either, okay? Good morning to you. Good Wednesday morning. I'm Dan Kovacevic of DK Pittsburgh Sports. This is Daily Shot of Steelers. It comes your way bright and early every weekday. If you're in two, hockey and or baseball, I also offer Daily Shots of Penguins and Pirates where you found this. Joey Porter Jr. remains the only unsigned member of the Steelers' most recent draft class. He was, of course, selected 32nd overall, but because of the quirk that saw the Dolphins forfeit the number 21 pick in this most recent draft, the number 32 pick ended up being a second rounder rather than a first rounder. Sounds like no big deal, right? I mean, what's the difference? 32 is 32. Well, it isn't because the NFL's draft is now capped or slotted depending on your perspective. And there's an assigned dollar figure for each round, not for each overall pick. So there's a school of thought that maybe Porter should be given the benefit of the doubt that because he was taken 32nd overall, that he's essentially a first round pick. Even if the Steelers want to go along with such a thing, even if they want to quote-unquote do right by the kid, the problem with that is that there are 31 other teams and a league commissioner who would likely come down on them pretty hard and blast them, certainly behind the scenes. But they'd still blast them for not playing nice, for doing something to blow up a system that's a system that's working out for all of the owners because they get to do away with all of the theatrics of camp holdouts and so forth. I'm going to put an end to this subject, at least from my own perspective, in a big hurry. This isn't going to happen. Neither Joey Jr. nor Joey Sr., if he ends up playing any kind of role in this, and I'm sure he will, are going to allow the young man to miss a single snap of a single drill at St. Vincent College. It will not happen. Maybe Omar Khan reaches out, tries to get something done that's a little bit amicable, that throws a little bit of a bone, that doesn't put too much of a wrinkle into the overall system because of the unusual nature of a pick being skipped in the first round. But I am here to tell you, Joey Jr. needs to be on that grass at Chuck Knoll Field because he is not assured of a starting spot and where he will make his real money will not be in his draft bonus. It'll be somewhere along the way in the National Football League. And if he doesn't get a foothold on the starting job right off the bat, he could stay behind for a lot longer than anyone could possibly imagine right now, and certainly a lot longer than he'd want. You know why. We've been talking about him for a while. It could be Corey Trice. If it isn't Corey Trice, the seventh rounder, showing up the 32nd overall pick, which would be a fun scenario, I have to say, it could be a guy who's possibly headed to Canton and Patrick Peterson. Could be Levi Wallace. Could be... 
a surprise in the mix, although beyond that, it probably would be a significant surprise. But he is by no means, Joey Jr., guaranteed a spot in that secondary. What's more, and and I always feel like I have to preface every reference to OTAs and minicamp and all that other stuff by saying, look, these things don't mean anything. They're not evaluation periods. They're teaching periods, as Mike Tomlin likes to say. But Trice's presence in these drills and passing drills are one of the few things where there's a fair gauge of anything that looks like football, meaning both from the receiving standpoint and from the coverage standpoint. Trice was visible. Uh, Trice was the one getting all the the vocal shout outs from his teammates, uh, including afterward, meaning in the locker room where Peterson was just glowing about Trice. One day yelling out to everybody that Trice had two pass breakups and a pick in the same session. I happen to think that Joey Jr. acquitted himself pretty nicely, too. But I, I, I got to tell you, Trice impressed me. You know, I'm not going to sit here and engage in my own comparison, but I, I kind of like Trice. And taking this even a step further, let's say that they were both to show well in Latrobe. My friends, there is no way on God's green earth that Tomlin, Terrell Austin, Grady Brown, or anybody else associated with the Pittsburgh football franchise is going to enter a season with two, count them, two, ice-cold, right-out-of-the-womb rookie corners. No chance. No chance whatsoever. This is not a head coach who is prone to risk-taking when it comes to defense, and especially when it comes to the secondary. So yeah, it's going to get done. He's going to be in there. He might drive up in a very modest vehicle as opposed to some kind of army tank or whatever on reporting day, but he's going to be there. He has to be there. When we come back, J1Q. This segment of Daily Shot is brought to you by our good friends at Mike's Beer Bar. They're located on Federal Street, directly across from PNC Park. Mike has more than 500 beers on tap, including from more than 50 local breweries. Stop in and say hello. Tell Mike we sent you. Mike's Beer Bar. Today's J1Q comes from Clayton, and it's in reference to yesterday's episode in which I discussed the, at least it's a possibility that Broderick Jones wouldn't start right off the bat at left tackle, that maybe Dan Moore will be given the benefit of the doubt, A, because he's come into camp in extraordinary shape, gotten a lot stronger, and B, he's faced Miles Garrett and done really well against him in the past, and Garrett is the Week 2 opponent. Nick Bosa of the 49ers, of course, is the Week 1 Opponent Clayton asks, DK, if Mike Tomlin decides to go with starting Broderick Jones in week one, in your opinion, do you think that'll also mean we'll see some early usage of Darnell Washington on the left side, especially if Jones has any initial struggles? Personally, I believe that Jones is more than up to the challenge. I, I see what you're saying here, because as both Jones and Washington are happy to talk about with you all day long they were mates they were right next to each other in georgia they're guys who have a lot of experience doing exactly what it is that you're describing jones on the left edge of the line 
And then Washington, as per his own lingo, being six man over there to his left. And maybe that's something that you see on a consistent basis through Latrobe, through the preseason games. If you do, you're not going to have to wonder who's starting weeks one and two, because you will, as you suggest here, have seen the formation of essentially a team. Now, I say that, and I don't think you're going to be many sets where Washington is out there and Pat Fryermuth isn't. Doesn't mean it won't happen. I just don't, I don't foresee it. So you're going to have to presume that Washington's out there as part of a two tight end set. Well, that obviously doesn't maximize what you want in terms of the volume of wide receivers, the volume of options that Kenny Pickett has. So whew, there are a lot of different scenarios to be considering in this, but I still believe that it's going to come down to performance, meaning between Jones and Moore. And in that event, there's no Darnell Washington scenario that's going to bail out really either one of them. I appreciate the question. I appreciate everybody listening to Daily Shot of Steelers. We're going to do another one of these tomorrow. By the way, I think we're only like how many days away from training camp? Today's the 12th and 27th. 15 days, people. 15 days. 